Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and today on the OI Show, we're joined with Dr. Jesslyn Quinn, where we're going to be talking about there's no way you can be a practice owner within three years of graduation on today's OI Show. Jesslyn, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Truly appreciate your time. Share with the audience a little bit about yourself, where you went to optometry school, where you did your residency, and now where you're currently practicing. Thanks, Milay. It's so fun to be here. I'm excited to, to be here talking with you. So I'm a Texas native. I grew up in the big state of Texas. My parents still live there. My siblings are there. I went to undergrad there. After that, I went to optometry school at Indiana University. I just wanted to get out of Texas for a little bit. In optometry school, amazing, love being a big part of the Big Ten. After optometry school, I went to uh, residency, did an ocular disease residency in Chicago at ICO. After that, landed in Maine, which I never in a million years would have thought that that's where I had landed. And just as you had kind of introed within three years of graduating, I became a practice owner with two other people. And it's been a wild, but really fun and rewarding ride. So Justin, you started at the practice right now where you are as an associate doc, I'm assuming, or employee doctor. Is that a correct assumption? Correct. I joined as an associate. The practice had one single owner who within eight months of me being there decided to kind of start the process of maybe he was wanting to step away a little bit. And so we started having the discussion of, of ownership transition and buying out and the whole valuation process and everything else that went with that. Now, how many locations does the practice currently have? And how many locations did it have when you first bought into the practice? Overall, our business has three primary eye care locations currently and a separate dry eye center that houses medical aesthetics as well. So that's kind of our fourth location. It had three primary eye care locations whenever we bought it. So it had a really good foundation. And so over the last six years, my practice owners, um, my business partners and I, we've just kind of worked on scaling it, growing it, um, beefing yeah. up, you know, those numbers, but it had a really good foundation. And so we haven't added a ton of locations other than the dry eye center. So you've taken the locations that you have, and I'm assuming you've, you've grown them over time. Then is that a correct assumption as well too? Yes, absolutely. Within our first year, even just modernizing it a, a little bit, you know, shaking things up, really looking at, the operation system, making that more efficient within each of the different offices that allowed us to, you know, see more patients more efficiently, bringing in different products, different services, you know, all of those kind of working uh, smarter, not necessarily harder, more of that type approach allowed us within like the first year of ownership, we had almost doubled the profits, which was great from, from you. when, you know, the years before. And, and that's just been really fun to be able to be creative and to really kind of focus on the growth of the business when we had a pretty good foundation. So Jocelyn, I'm, we're going to, we're going to talk about some topics here that are going to be, I think the ones that everybody's kind of wanting to know about, because Listen, I graduated in a tough year. So I know you're looking at me and thinking there's no possible way this guy could have graduated in 2002, but I I did. This is 21 years in clinical practice for me. 
But when I graduated, (laughs) (laughs) but when I graduated 2002, in my fourth year, when I was on rotations, 9-11 happened. So when you talk about economic instability, I mean, we were at the heart of it at that point. So it was difficult. Plus, I was, I was, I graduated with a ton of debt. Um, did you have student debt when you graduated optometry school? I did. I definitely did. I came from a very middle-class family and and in order to get through higher education, I had to take out the student loans. And I will say like when I was looking at, you know, buying a practice, that was one kind of not concern, but question that I had, like, can I do this with my, you know, personal student debt level? And of course you have to be smart. You have to have a budget, but um, you can definitely do it. Anything is possible. And I will say that being a practice owner has allowed me to, you know, kind of essentially pay that off, pay that down a lot faster, I think, than if I had possibly been kind of just an associate. So Jessalyn, here, here's where I, I want to start diving into a few questions here, because I know a lot of the people on the call are either thinking about, yeah, I do want to be a business owner, but I don't know how to do that with this kind of big and sometimes it's it's just a mental barrier. I can't get past the fact that I have this debt in order to get to the next level and start even thinking about investing in my future with owning a practice. Because ultimately, that's really what you've done by buying and becoming a part owner of this practice. But um, how did you go about really financing the the practice purchase? Did you go to a bank? Did Did you work with the current owner to say, hey, Maybe we can work out something where you could be the financer for me. How how did that work with respect to your specific situation? We did a little bit of both. We went to uh, our local banks. Being in Maine, the beauty of that is that you're a community, and so you you know you know the bankers essentially, and they're able to a lot of times they're your patients or they're well you know to see the business yeah. and see mm-hmm. how it's doing. And I think that that was a big advantage. So we we went to a couple like local banks, shopped around. We so I have two business partners, and we all had student loan debt at the time. And so with that, you know, that was a big almost risk initially for our bank. And so we had to initially go through an organization called Fame, which is kind of like PMI insurance, but they have yep. that for business too. And at the time, I didn't realize that that was an option. Um, but we went through that for a number of different years. There was a small section of um, the financial piece that their current owner did kind of set up a finance part where um, we paid him out over time for a certain part of that. Um, that actually just ended um, within those five-year gap. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. And, and I've had friends that um, have done cold starts that they've shopped around to both local banks and even kind of some um, some national banks. But I would say wherever you want to land, start with your local bank and just go down and, and sit with them. And they're a great resource. And most of them are more than willing to help you. And if you need something kind of equivalent to PMI insurance, don't be afraid to look at it because if it helps you get started and helps your you know dream kind of get into motion, if you work hard and, and play it smart, you can easily pay that off within a short amount of time if you need to. So Jesslyn, here here's the other piece to this business ownership puzzle because, okay, 
So you've kind of done the calculations. I'm assuming that at the time you were probably a little bit nervous, but thought, you know, this is my, this is my professional goal. This is what I want to do. And I'm willing to take the risk for it. But there's so many facets to the business when it comes to the accounting side of things, when it comes to the HR side of things. And when I say HR, I'm referring to one on the floor managing employees, but secondly, managing all of the accounting that goes on the background with wages and taxes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the day, having processes in place in the offices as well, too, in charge of IT, in charge of all this other stuff. Because ultimately, again, we depend on a lot of people in our offices, but all of the responsibility will eventually fall back on the the owner. Where did you learn that? Did the Was the senior doc a mentor to you? Did you go to classes? Is there some type of business backing that you had that I'm unaware of? I mean, how did you seek that out? And how did you learn that process? Yeah, I do have an MBA background. So before I went to optometry school, I had, you know, had some intro to that, but learning it didn'actically and applying it in the real world world sense can, you know, sometimes there's a difference. It's like but, learning about eye diseases on a PowerPoint and then clinically seeing it. So, I always, I always joke that you could always, you, we were taught how to refract on a four-opter in optometry school. But until you hear the patient respond to the, which lens looks clearer, lens one or two, and then repeating the the line that they're saying, you realize that you have to sometimes rephrase the way that we're communicating on things. Yeah, yeah, no, I I understand, I understand. So so you did have an MBA background. Okay, great. Had had an MBA background. So that helped lessen the learning curve to some extent. I at least had familiarity with jargons. I knew a little bit where to go for resources. So that was helpful, but a lot of just business things is also kind of learning on the fly. So our practice is, is decent size. We have about 57 employees. And so with that, like the HR is, is a big piece of it. You know, even when you bring on a new employee, signing them up for insurance and making sure you stay within, you know, both your state and federal codes. And then obviously the bookkeeping part and then, you know, the tax accounting part, there's, there's a lot of different pivots. And I would say the biggest thing that when I first started, I wanted to almost do a little bit of everything, but I think I realized pretty quickly that to some extent you need to focus on what your strengths are, what you're really good at, and then delegate, you know, have other people on your team handle those parts so that you know, you can focus on your strengths or patients and you need to be still overseeing it as an owner. Just like you said, you're responsible for everything. And so just, you know, I think that's been the, the, you know, finding that balance of, of doing still clinical care and doing the admin things is, you know, back and forth all the time, but I feel like we have a really great team. So each of our offices has an office manager. We have now recently, we um, hired and created a position for the director of operations, which does a lot of our kind of HR sign on. And is that just like, is that an individual who oversees all of the locations or is that at every specific location you have a director of operations? One director of operations for all locations. And then the office manager is at each location. So the office managers kind of report to the director of operations, who then reports to my business partners and I. So it's a little bit of, of that hierarchy. We had an in-house person who was doing our bookkeeping um, for a lot of reasons. Then we 
outsource that to kind of a a third party uh, bookkeeping. We have a tax accountant. And so, so I feel like we we're able to do it all because we've have really great people, but I will say that, you know, part of that has been figuring out what works for our practice, you know, efficiency wise. And we frequently have meetings and we're really big on like team culture and communication. So even if you have a great team in place, you have to make sure that your systems are efficient and, you know, consistent throughout each of our locations. So there's a, there's a lot of just kind of check in points essentially to make sure that everything is, is being done. Jesslyn, you know, you, you've gone through a pretty large optometry journey in a very small period of time since you graduated. I mean, this is nine years in clinical practice for you. If you, if you include your residency year, which is again, you're not in the private practice setting, but you still were seeing patients for a year. So, so you're approaching 10 years out. If you had one piece of advice to that student that's coming out of optometry school now or just graduated and really had that passion or that drive for practice ownership, but is struggling to find the path to ownership, what's the one piece of advice you could give to that individual right now who maybe is looking at a a mountain of student debt? maybe doesn't necessarily know how to find that practice and is concerned that maybe I don't know if I can make it work, but this is something I'm passionate about. This is why I went to optometry school because I wanted to autonomously be able to care for patients in a setting that I own. What, what's that piece of advice you can give to somebody? I think I would say, don't be afraid to take risks. I think there's never the perfect time. Sometimes there's never like the perfect situation or perfect opportunity. If you know that that's what you want, just go for it, you know, figuring out a way. And I think along the way, if it's not meant to be, you can pivot, you you know, there's, there's always an option to either make it better to pivot something else to, to something else. And so I think just going for it, you know, not letting the intimidation factor or the worry of your student loan debt, or sometimes it, just the decision of becoming a practice owner can feel very rooted, you know, like you're, you're in it, but, but go for it. There are always options down the road. The beauty of being a practice owner is that you have a lot of flexibility. So things like with burnout, or if you want to lecture or have different students in your practice or specialize in dry eye or specialty contact lenses, or, you know, whatever it may be, you get to be your own boss. And so there's a little extra work that comes initially with that, but taking the biggest, you know, the biggest risks sometimes have the biggest rewards. Jesslyn, you are wise beyond your years. I think your advice is truly sage. And I think anybody listening to this um, really respects your opinion. And I think you're spot on. I, th- I think the advice that you get, you gave was so, so spot on in particular for the individual looking to do this for themselves. Jesslyn, thank you so much for your time on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been such an honor. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of the OI show. Thank you.